And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C, senor. Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty information complex. This morning, under the tutelage of Honorary General Manager Vladimir Putin, he is about to illustrate to the world, to you good folks, precisely how much talk of international law and cooperation means when a country with the means to assert its will decides to assert its will. So stay tuned for a little Poli-Sci 400 Geopolitics and Guns. This is Monday, the 6th of December, the year of our Lord, 2021. find myself contemplating the uh, whole 2020 was the worst year ever. Uh, you know, thought, philosophy, t-shirts, coffee mugs, etc. Twitter threads. And then 2021 came along. yip What do we got? Three, three, four weeks left in December? Good Lord. 2022. I don't even want to know. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll we'll face it together. I'm sure it will be uh, fine. Other candidates for the general manager this morning uh, included uh, ratcheted up Omicron fear, as that appears to be the media's hobby these days. As usual. And also, on a lighter note, very light, like feather light, like helium light, AOC. Could have been our general manager. Have you heard the story? Did you hear the, did you see the interview? She claims the smash and grab thing, and this is going to be good news to retailers. Pry down your plywood, folks. Fire your extra security. Tear up the report you're going to send to corporate. AOC has assured us the smash and grab robberies are not happening. Happening. Seriously. Holy cow. I've been trying to figure out what's up with this girl. Yeah, you know, I'm leaning that way. I'm leaning that way. Is it some clever ruse? She's trying to downplay the the inevitable downsides of the Marxist revolution to uh, pacify us into to slumber, into, uh, you know, a lack of uh, paying attention to what's happening around us. And as we wait for our socialist utopia to dawn, or is she just dumb? I'm beginning to lean that way, but we can talk more about that a little bit later on. Now, if you're wondering where the white flash is, uh, Jack Boy is, uh, I've been working on crafting this line. I haven't gotten very far. Uh, Jack is stoned and his gallbladder is double stoned. He actually had to seek medical treatment in the night for what appears to be I think gallstones? I don't know much. We've been texting a little bit. Uh, it, it, terribly painful. If any of you have uh, suffered from that malady, and actually Judy, Judy's had a couple of family members, my wife, um, uh, suffer from that and had to get surgery and that sort of thing. But feel free to drop us an email if you want, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. But he is mildly stoned from the drugs he've, he's been given. Uh, he's talking about getting out of the hospital and, and coming to work or maybe uh, jumping on from his home studio. Uh, but uh, we don't really know at this point what's going on. And um, and he texted the poor boy, the poor naive boy. He texts, uh, they're starting the checkout procedure at the hospital in just a little bit. So I don't think it'll be long. Now, I, I guess 
I guess I've been in the hospital more recently as he has. The whole, we'll be getting you out of here soon thing. It, 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 by the time you're actually on the pavement stepping into a car, it takes about as long as it takes to buy a house. I mean, it's spectacular. I know they're understaffed, they're overburdened, they got the junkies with stab wounds, the rest of it. But you sit there, it's 9 o'clock, you get all gussied up, you're on the edge of your bed, you maybe even you know got got dressed, you shaved, whatever, you're ready to go home. And you sit there, yeah, you're checking your watch, it's 9.15, it's 9.30, it's 10 o'clock, I thought they said they were coming. Yeah, you kind of scratch your head, you get comfortable. Then like 10.45 comes and goes, and nurse wanders by, you say, excuse me, excuse me, uh, I'd understood I'm being discharged here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they say, yeah, we got somebody coming up, we got an orderly with the... uh Got the paperwork and then the wheelchair, but no, it'll be like uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, you're thinking, <sighs> I might as well just flip on the four channel TV and see what's on. So anyway, he may be here at some point today or, or he may not be. All right, let's uh, begin the show officially now. According to FCC rules and regulations, the show begins officially for the week. And Mark. Bob Dole listens to Armstrong and Getty. Says who? Bob Dole says who? That would have been another good choice for General Manager Bob Dole, World War II hero, longtime senator, presidential candidate, vice presidential candidate, uh, well-known tough guy by the standards of his day, rhetorically, but he also is well-known for reaching across the aisle and having uh, close relationships with various Democrats, uh, one of the more touching moments of his life. Um, you may recall it when... Um, when his World War II uh, fellow vet, uh, Daniel Inouye, the Democratic senator from Hawaii, they were actually, they were both injured uh, on on uh, very, very close to each other, including in, in terms of time. Um, they were like two hills apart fighting in Italy in World War II in the Italian campaign and were both seriously injured, uh, recovered together, bucked each other's spirits up, uh, both made it into the... Uh, United States Senate remained very, very close friends. You may recall uh, Bob Dole, who was well, well into his uh, old age at the time when uh, Senator Inouye passed away. And I don't recall the year, but it was a number of years ago. And 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 Senator Dole rose up out of his wheelchair and and hobbled to the side of uh, Inouye's uh, Inouye's uh, uh, casket and and saluted and put his hand on the casket and. Uh, it was just his way of, of summoning up that last bit of strength to pay tribute to his friend. So it, it was a beautiful moment. But at any rate, uh, Senator Olds passed away at the age of 98. I had the pleasure of chatting with him on uh, several occasions. Um, and uh, he was a terrific fellow. He cut us that less than perfectly coherent little liner, as we call them in the business. Play that again, Michael, would you? Bob Dole listens to Armstrong and Getty. Says who? Bob Dole says who? Yeah, well, okay, yeah, I went all right. What, what are we going to do? Hit him up to do another take? No. He's a great American and a war hero. So we just put up with that. But so uh, I actually went with uh, Russian uh, President Vlad Putin, president, dictator. Jack would say he's not the president. He's a dictator. And he's right. Uh, he has massed 175,000 troops on the border with Ukraine. Well, as the Ukraine has absolutely no intention of doing any harm to Russia whatsoever, that can only mean one thing, and it ain't no military exercise. Vlad Putin is about to illustrate to us, as I said before, exactly what happens when a 
country with the power to execute its will decides to execute its will. I believe war in a serious way is coming to Europe. Uh, and I doubt very seriously that Europe or NATO or the United States will uh, forge much of a resistance to it. I think the poor Ukrainians are about to get overrun by Russia. Uh, that situation, we can discuss it in a little more detail, um, has to do with the dissolution of the Soviet Union back in the 91, I believe it was, and how Ukraine broke away and, and like so many of the former Soviet republics, became its own country. Uh, where the line was drawn to Russian minds was uh, not fair, not appropriate, I guess is the right word, given the huge number of ethnic Russians, Russian speakers that found themselves within the borders of Ukraine. So uh, you got that is the, the kind of that's the justification Putin's going to use. Um, he'll make some mumbo jumbo about, uh, you know, a threat from NATO. Truth is, partly because of the geography of Russia, they've been relentlessly expansionist because they really don't have any great natural barriers to defend themselves. It's not like having two gigantic oceans on either side, which we have. Um, And so Russia has historically uh, needed to protect itself by being so sprawling Troops would be 15 hours into Russia and still 20 hours away from uh, Moscow. And so, anyway, he'll, he'll make the argument it's about the Russians and the threat and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is they just want the territory to expand their their, uh, their defensive perimeter. And, and uh, you know, this, this should have probably been first. I should have listed this first. And Putin exists to put himself on the podium of Russian history as one of the great czars. He lives to be the, in all capitals, great man of history. And he's going to do that by recapturing the grandeur of the Soviet Empire. And if poor Ukraine stands in the way, well, too bad. I mean, what would you do if you invaded Crimea and just took it? And all you got in return was, well, the Ukrainians you know, fought back the best they could, but the rest of the world said, hey, hey, cut it out over there. What are you doing? John Kerry, famously, again, one of Jack's favorite quotes in the last 30 years or so of global history. John Kerry saying, this is a 19th century act in the 21st century. Oh, yeah, totally out of style, John. Horse face. You make an excellent point. It's, it's, it, Putin should be ashamed of himself. Now he owns the Crimea and the ports and the access to the Black Sea and the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a good point. It's really shameful what he did. Tisk, tisk, sir. Tisk, tisk. Well, and you see what effect that had on the Putin. Very little. So coming up in a couple of minutes, we have the freedom-loving quote of the day. It's a good one. Really like this one. We have a, a very strong mailbag on a Monday. Then on to the news and events of the day. We'll explain the whole AOC thing. Uh, poor kid. Poor kid. She doesn't have two thoughts to rub together. Uh, it's a good thing God made her pretty. All of that to come. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're well. Gearing up for the holidays. 
Judy and I decorated the tree last night. Sent a text, some pictures to the kids. It was kind of, eh, it was bittersweet. It was melancholy. Missing the youngsters, no doubt. They're grown. They're scattered across the country doing their thing. But uh, it's okay. You invent new traditions. You move on. You celebrate the good times you had. And, you know, you get together as soon as you can. So, anyway, uh, a joyous holiday season to one and all. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. It's from the author, Marshall McLuhan, who's written so many interesting things through the years. He said, America is the only country ever founded on the printed word. As we were talking about Russia, Ukraine, ethnic this, native that, tribes, the various tribes of Europe through the Middle Ages coalesced into fiefdoms and then those became uh, you know kingdoms and then those became eventually uh, sovereign nations during the era of nation building the united states was a set of ideas hey who likes the ideas come live here it's cool it's great it's amazing don't forget it here's your mailbag Remember, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, whether it's share an opinion or if there's something we ought to be talking about, you want to send the link along, go ahead. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Note from the always fascinating JT. On Friday's show, Jack said the problem was that people didn't know who to trust when it comes to the news. I wish that was the case. I wish people didn't know who to trust. Some distrust and or wariness would indicate a little bit of healthy doubt about some news stories. Problem is, too many people trust the wrong news sources. They trust the New York Times, the WAPO, NPR, MSNBC, CNN. They trust Pelosi, Schumer, Pelosi, Schumer, Facebook, Twitter, QAnon, Brennan, Clapper, Dan Rather, Brian Williams, on and on. Instead of healthy skepticism, we have the opposite problem. So many people trust their news sources 100%, even when they're wrong. As Reagan put it, well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Uh, that's true. It's a good point. I don't watch the news. It's a wise decision, my lad. He'll just be uh, deluded and, and, and disinformed. Is that a word? Uh, uh, Phoenix Steve says, guys, actually, a two-part email. Really enjoyed both parts of these. I have a wild arse theory that she and Putin are just waiting for Biden to croak or suffer a major, major mental disability before they launch their takeovers. What an opportunity, since it'll probably take a week to locate Kamala. Oh, boy. You know, it's it's kind of from the Department of Beltway gossip that we don't deal with that much. But the the drumbeats of Kamala's staff is quitting in droves. She's a maniac. Nobody likes her. Nobody respects her. I mean, that drumbeat is getting louder and louder. And it's not shocking to those of us who've watched her political rise through the years. We can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, even the WAPO is uh, openly talking about the rebellion going on in her office. Uh, let's see. Anyway, back to the senile and or deceased uh, Joe Biden Given the way Biden sounded on Friday, did Taiwan and Ukraine go to DEFCON 2? Before Biden checks out early, how about a compromise? They fire Kamala, hire Candace Owens or Larry Elder, and the R's promise not to run Trump in 2024. Win-win, he says, since I agree with you, Trump is not going to run anyway. Uh, and then part two of uh, Phoenix Steve's email, which I enjoyed. I was totally unaware of this. In entertainment news, there's a big stink over Seth Rogen's Santa Incorporated. I'm just vaguely aware that this exists. He's calling the 99% of viewers who dislike his unfunny stinker of a movie white supremacists. What? 
Sticking to left's playbook. I mean, who can have a problem portraying Santa as a bigoted old white man who's holding back his female elves? I guess that's the premise of the movie. I don't know. But it's getting 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. 4%. An aggressive scent. And, uh, and, 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 uh, Seth Rogen said that's because of white supremacy. I tell you what, I, I should be grateful. The more people like him hammer the idiotic, ridiculous, dishonest claims of racism, the more I think it weakens the whole fake claims of racism, you know, strategy. You know, meanwhile, it, it provides cover for actual racists, which is not cool. Oh, man, I jabbered too long. We, we're running out of time. Got a great note from Al Nanus about uh, bail reform um, and how it actually works on the street. Uh, also, a great email on the three reasons why Jesse Smollett chose to go to trial. We'll talk about that in, coming up in a, a couple of minutes. Uh, a little more on Russia and uh, Kamala Harris, all that stuff. All that stuff I was talking about. We'll get to it eventually, all right? Stay with us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. So let me just ask you this, doctor, and I hope you can give us some transparency. From what you have learned so far, as compared to a week ago, are you more or less worried about Omicron? Well, Chris, you know, I certainly am concerned about the possibility that this is going to spread. Uh, you know, more easily than other variants that we've seen to date. And we've got to get more data, like I said, to understand the exact extent of that. But I do think it's a reason for us to not necessarily panic, but just to be more vigilant uh, and to recognize that the precautions that we have been talking about for the last uh, year or so are all the more important now than ever. You know, if I might decode that, he's saying, "Eh, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, just a status quo. And so you might find yourself wondering uh, why everywhere I look all the time, is there another story about Omicron and you know how I should be concerned or what's happening in Belarus or the Congo or whatever the heck. Um, yeah, I know. It's just that that's clickbait, uh, which is not to say nothing's happening. You have to be careful with statistics, of course. Statistics without context can be very misleading, but... Um, the case numbers, the 14 day rolling average are up about 20%. We don't care about cases. It's uh, hospitalizations and deaths we care about. Uh, deaths appear to be up about 5%, the rolling average. It's, uh, almost 1200 a day, which is, you know, on pace to be obviously, you know, 400,000 people a year, uh, croaking of this or with this. Yes, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. People who die of old age with the COVID are listed as COVID deaths, but uh, let's see. It's, it's certainly still going on. Um, but there is uh, no indication that uh, the uh, Omicron variant is, is more dangerous than anything. In fact, uh, the indications that exist, which are still insufficient but intriguing, are that it's less dangerous. I found this interesting. Uh, speaking of statistics, this is the governor of Colorado, I believe that's correct. On uh, this week, clip number 49, Michael, would you? I appear to be missing that clip. You're missing 49? Yeah, I am. Uh, Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Oh, Hansen is messing with it. All right, we'll get that later. Not worried about it.
He's talking about the uh, percentage of ICU beds that are filled. What's that? We I have it here. Cool. While we're at about 93, 94% of our hospital capacity, only about 15 to 20% of that is COVID. Uh, the rest is everything else under the sun, heart attack, cancer, uh, other routine issues, some of which have been postponed during the pandemic to the detriment of people's health. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad he made that point. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, maybe we'll go backward. The, the second point he made was that so much health care was put off during COVID whether by the paranoia of the patient, they were afraid to go to a hospital because they'd been convinced by the media that they watch that COVID was everywhere, it was an immediate death sentence, and that even though they were having crushing chest pains, it was better to stay at home and hope their heart gets better on its own than to dare go into the den of instantaneous death, a.k.a. the hospital. Just Terrible. That's it. You know, when we get clear enough to have a little perspective and a little wisdom on this thing, that is going to be one of the headlines. How, how just unforgivable, how insidious that was. The number of cancers undiscovered and, and, and strokes untreated and, and chest pains ignored and all. Oh, God, it makes me insane. Uh, but anyway, so there's that. And then the second thing is, and we've talked about this before, whenever you hear, that beds are at, you know, 90% capacity, the ICU is 95% full, blah, 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 blah. They operate that way on purpose. If you have 80% vacancy in your ICU all the time and nurses sticking, sitting around picking their noses and, and, you know, doctors, you know, playing video games or whatever, you're wasting a tremendous amount of money. So the economic model is to stay fairly close to full. Um, you know, whether that's the best model in the world or not is, you know, we could argue about that another day. So uh, it's not like they hope to be empty uh, and then they just happen to be at 90 percent. No, people get sick for other reasons. They get their old whatever. ICUs are built to be, you know, fairly well occupied. So uh, if you were enjoying yourself over the weekend, didn't really pay attention to the whole Omicron thing and, and wondered what's going on, eh, there's not much clarity, really. Not much clarity. Doesn't appear to be any uh, more dangerous than anything else, and indeed might be less, but we don't know for sure. So, on to Kamala Harris. Uh, I can't remember. Do we have any tape on this? I don't think we do. No. Uh, so, the Washington Post in particular is weighs or spends way more time than any other paper in the country, except for the New York Times, which is a little behind it, on Beltway Gossip. Washington, D.C. is famously like a big high school. Okay, everybody knows who's in, everybody knows who's out. And who's on the rise, who's on their way out, who's telling rumors about who, who said something mean about somebody else. It's amazingly like a high school. Read, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Mark Leibovich's fabulous This Town, if you want a, a picture of it. They all know each other. Their kids all go to the same incredibly expensive private schools because the public schools there suck. That's funny. That's odd, isn't it? Anyway, uh, so they all know each other. They go to the same cocktail parties and blah, blah, blah. So it's a big high school. So uh, the Washington Post, which is uh, super into that sort of gossip because it helps them sell papers and or clicks, particularly within Washington, D.C., uh, has been reporting lately on the fact that Kamala Harris, the historic vice president, um, is is in trouble. Here's here's your lead. The rumors started circulating in July. Vice President Harris's staff was wilting in a dysfunctional and frustrated office, burned out just a few months after her historic swearing in and pondering, and the, they, the staff, were pondering exit strategies. 
want to point out they they point out many times like reflexively self-consciously in this article how historic her term as the vice president is and they mentioned she's the first black she's the first woman she's the first indian how historic that is meanwhile what percentage of americans i don't know y'all uh, can make an uh, guess where you sit where you are you're at work you're in your car whatever what percentage of americans look at the veep in particular, well, yeah, we're talking about the Veep, or really any position, and say, I don't care if her dad was Jamaican, I don't care if her mom was Indian, I don't care if she's a woman, I don't care if she's a man, I don't care if she's binary, I don't care if she's a, a red-haired Irishman, or, or, or uh, you know, or, or, or whatever. Is she any good at her job? Is she going to help the United States be more, you know, strong and functional and, and more steady on the world stage? Is she going to help the economy? Or is she going to be bad for all those things? I couldn't give a flying rat's hiney. You know, that she's part black. She's got ethnic this or that. They're just so obsessed with it. Anyway. Have you considered being good at your jobs? Well, all I care about is if these people are good at their jobs, and she's terrible at hers. Terrible. Uh, More uh, more on that in a minute. But uh, So back to the gossip in the Washington Post. Um, So these rumors come to the fore, and everybody's talking about it. She's had a bunch of key staffers quit. And so what they did was hold this uh, hamburger lunch at the official residence, and everybody took a big, smiling selfie, enjoyed the delicious burgers, and tweeted out, let me tell you about these burgers at the Veep's residence. The food was good, and the people were amazing. Okay, sure they are. Sure they are. I'm sure the hamburgers were good, but... People uh, want the beef. So, uh, da, 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 was Sanders. Uh, that was uh, Simone Sanders. That's their uh, her spokesperson uh, gushing in the tweet about the burgers of the people and everything. Five months later, Sanders is out. She's quitting. Highest profile member of the end of the year exodus that includes the communications chief and two other key staffers. Now, this Sanders woman is saying it's not due to any unhappiness or dysfunction, but I'm ready for a break after several years of pressure that comes from speaking for and advising Harris. I just, I need a little break, Rooney. Uh, critics scattered over two decades point to an inconsistent and at times degrading principle who burns through seasoned staff members who've succeeded in other demanding high profile positions, but just can't stand working for her. Uh, Harris can be difficult. Gil Duran, former Democratic strategist and aide to Harris who quit after five months working for her, said one of the things we've said in our little text groups among each other is the common denominator through all this, and it's her. She's repeating the same old destructive patterns. Who are the next talented people you're going to bring in and burn through and then have to pretend they're po- retiring for positive reasons? Uh, he uh, He told the Washington Post. Now, Dysfunction, bad leadership, burning through talented people. What's the response? Her defenders say the criticism against her is often steeped in the same racism and sexism that have followed a woman who's been a first at every job she's done over the past two decades. Makes her a bigger target because she's the heir apparent to the oldest president in the nation's history. You know what I think it is, honestly? I don't think it's racism or sexism. It's that she's patently incompetent. She has no political instinct. She has no political talent. She was the girlfriend of the most powerful politician in a one-party state. 
She's not an idiot. She's just a mediocrity. And so she got her ticket punched. And in a one-party state, if you're the heir apparent, if you've been chosen by the party for, say, a district attorney in San Francisco or attorney general in California, you just get elected automatically. You never face the gauntlet of a good, solid electoral challenge. There's no proving ground. It's like a, a, a rookie football player. I watched some uh, Chiefs-Broncos last night. It was a pretty good game. But anyway, uh, it's like you're a rookie football player, and you go through the training camp and, 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 and you, the practices and all, maybe a couple of team scrimmages, and then then for some reason, you just all of a sudden, you wake up, you're in the Super Bowl. But wait, you've never played any games. You've never actually been tested. You've never, you know, the, to be the best, you got to beat the best. You, you haven't gone up against anybody, really, except maybe some weak primary challenger in California who realizes your ticket punch. So anyway, so she rises up to the top of California politics. She's got the dual ethnic thing plus the woman thing going. She's obviously an attractive choice during the, the spasm of woke that was 2020 to go with an old white guy who's been in the Capitol forever. Um, and so she says it's a great choice on paper. The problem is she's just got no talent. Come on now. So you got various people going back and forth. Is it a problem? Is it not? Is it sexism? Blah, blah, blah. And it's not that interesting. Um, but they mentioned that she came into office with few longtime staffers. I mean, oh, really, only two have worked with her before last year. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's got to, uh, all sorts of guys have been with him for years and years and years. Just a little you know, contrast, not that Joe Biden is Julius Caesar or anything. But one final note on this that I found this very amusing. Uh, I think it was Steve Ducey uh, who asked Jen Pasaki at Thursday's press briefing, um, hey, what's the deal with all of Kamala Harris's staffers quitting? And uh, Jen says, in my experience, and if you look at past president precedents, it's natural for staffers who have thrown their heart and soul into a job to be ready to move on to a new challenge after a few years. Oh, she was ignoring the fact that uh, Kamala hasn't even been in office for one year, never mind a few years, and uh, and people are quitting after months, not years. So you got an old guy on the verge of senility or perhaps uh, well into it. The presidency, you got a woman who's got zero support in any quarters, and her only defense is to cry sexism or racism. Uh, it is so wild open what the future looks like, and what, what might that mean to geopolitics? We'll give you some of the specifics about Russia jumping ugly on Ukraine, or it looks like they're going to any minute. Uh, what's Xi Jinping thinking? Is this weakness going to breed action on the uh, part of our adversaries? I think the uh, the answer is almost certainly yes. Uh, that and more to come. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden looking to press concerns Russia could invade Ukraine. Russia has more than 100,000 troops along the border. My expectation is we're going to have a long discussion. Just days ago, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said his team discovered a Russian coup plot that would take him out. What we have to know is that we are in complete control of our borders and fully ready for any escalation. 
Yeah, are you? It's uh, looking like Russia is trying to amass about 175,000 troops on the Ukrainian border by early next year. Uh, I could give you the particulars, but uh, they have at least 70,000. Some are saying 95,000 in place and are calling up reservists and organizing that uh, as we speak. So that is fairly ominous. Uh, what to do? How how deep does our support go? That's the question a lot of people are asking. Uh, David Spun of Fox News continues in 31, Michael. Some kind of escalation appears imminent. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying the U.S. has helped shore up Ukraine. We have uh, provided them with uh, uh, a number of uh, different things over the over the uh, years, including uh, lethal uh, capability, a lot of non-lethal capability. Yeah, if if I'm Ukraine and. You hear the U.S. SecDef asked, uh, what are we ready to do? And he says, well, you know, through the years we've given him a hand. Lethal stuff, non-lethal stuff, all sorts of stuff. Uh, that was not much of a statement uh, for good reason. Uh, we have no intention of substantially backing Ukraine against Russia. It's uh, just what it is. Uh, I wanted to get one more on. Ah, yeah, uh, Carl Rove was talking this over with Chris Wallace, and uh, Rove, for all his faults, is... A pretty uh, credible insider, uh, having worked in Republican administrations. 34, Michael. We're not going to go to war, a land war in Ukraine with with Russia, are we? And, and, and assuming we don't, what can we do short of a military response to, to stop Putin from an invasion? Well, look, we have economic tools, and the administration is already saying it has a vast array of tools that it can bring to bear on this, including cutting off uh, access to the international banking system. But let's be clear, if Russia invades Ukraine and takes Ukraine, a sovereign nation in the center of Europe, this is a grave setback for the United States and its interests, and is also uh, a, a message. Uh, this is going to, if this happens, and if the administration fails to stop it, then then what's going to stop Putin from taking the Baltics? What kind of discouragement is it going to be? What's the signal to China with regard to Taiwan or North Korea with regard to South Korea? If we don't stop this, there could be grave consequences down the line. No. Wow, wow. Well, yeah, but. Uh... The tools you talked about, Mr. Rove, include, you know, crippling economic sanctions. I mean, really, really tough stuff, uh, which would be good. Um, whether Putin actually would extend his reach into the Balkans, I doubt it, but I'm not 100% sure he can't make those same arguments about ethnic Russians and Russian speakers, and it used to be part of uh, greater Russia. The Baltic states are, are their own thing. But anyway, uh, so we give him, we lay the crippling economic sanctions on him. Putin's thinking, okay, I want to be one of the great men of Russian history. That's that's his, his goal. He's already the, like the richest guy on earth, um, but he wants to be seen as one of the great czars of history and, and the man who re the great Russian Empire. And the tough thing about external sanctions, as the leadership in Iran could tell you, is that it, it really hurts your people. And they start to get kind of torqued off that they have crappy lives and can't run their businesses and, 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 and you know, and, and they can't put food on their table because of the foreign policy of the, the grand poobahs. Uh, but Putin's ready to withstand that. Number one, he's got a really effective police state. Um, in charge. Plus, he can whip up Russian nationalism saying, look, Ukraine is a territory of Russia. We're just taking it back. You will get a fair amount of support uh, for making that argument. And and third, external threats are necessary 
or at least really, really helpful for dictators because they can always point to that. Orwell, of course, wrote about this, and it's it's easy to see. You don't need to be George Orwell to understand that if you can cite an external threat and you say we got a state of emergency, we're in danger, look at this, the invaders are at our gates, that's why all these emergency re- measures are in place. They will just be temporary. Trust me on this. Uh, if, if not for the evil U.S., we would have nothing to worry about. So... Um, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just fatalistic about this stuff, or I'm old and bitter, and I've seen it enough times, but when a country has the will and the means to assert its national interests, treaties mean nothing. The uh, indignant moanings of other countries mean nothing. They are going to do what they can do. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, the EU never comes up on this. You got an invasion of a country right there in Europe. And they're like, hey, U.S., what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Weak. Anyway, uh, we'll have to watch this unfold together again. It's probably going to be next year, early next year. Hey, if you ever miss a chunk of the A&G show and, and, and you wish you'd gotten it, you can get it Armstrong and Getty On Demand, the podcast, available at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you get podcasts. Armstrong and Getty.